Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Tukey's Take podcast. We are back again. Us, the guys, the fellas, I am alongside Mr. Endo Mills. Hi, I'm hungry. How are you? I want to know if anyone's counted how many podcast episodes you eat on versus not eating. It's more. You got to be eating on 95% of them. I'm a big boy. I got to eat. There you go. We are also here with Mr. Sin for the win. Sin, how are you? How, how'd the weekend go? It, it went pretty good. You know, I'm doing okay. Still adapting to life back in the States. Yeah. Yeah, it fucking sucks here, man. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, dude. I've been bored shitless being back right? here. Like, I don't even—I don't even want to play video games. They're boring. I just want to go explore old Finnish, freaking seaside yeah. forts. Yeah, exactly. I want to have oh, my, shit. the shit blown out of me by the wind. You did start a new franchise mode this weekend, though. For I did start game. a new franchise. That's very true. Yeah, I, mean, I, I had to skip today because I had to play some Warhammer with my buddy priorities that's right yeah NH- nhl in july or warhammer yeah you decide warhammer <laughs> goodness today though we are back we're going to talk about all the biggest things in the hockey world over the past week since our last show but before that as always we need to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at manscaped you can use code Tugi at checkout for 20 percent off your order and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're in your normal office or like me today in my mom's arts and crafts room. It's nice. Shout out. Oh, God, we got, we got the paint set up behind me. There's a sewing machine right there. It's it's just, it's madness. Any I said this on stream, the one that I got the stream from this room so far. Um, any artistic talent? Just skip right over me. Just nothing. Just zero. My 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 artistic output. Notice I said artistic output is uh, is roster sharing, <laughs> roster editing. <laughs> I don't get it. I knew that would, I knew that would get into. It's all okay. good. Again, this is a manscaped advertisement, by the way. And again, whether or not you're in your own office or this fucking arts and crafts room, hey, manscaped's got you covered. Not only are they the best tools you could possibly get for the job. Pretty much everything. Easy to take with you. Easy to travel. I had to go to a wedding this weekend. You think I didn't travel with manscaped gear? You bet your ass I did. Your freshly shaved ass? If you're into that sort of thing, Manscaped's got you covered. Code Toogie. 20% off. You know the deal. Thank you to Manscaped. They've been with us for like a year, year and a half almost, and they're lovely, lovely, lovely people. I will note it's about 1,000 degrees in this room right now. So uh, we're doing we're doing what we can to make this happen. I, I can't really complain about the heat when there's a Californian in the room, but yeah. dude, it's yeah, it's been what now. Obviously, we have plenty of Canadians that listen, but um, what's the weather been like in old California? Where I am, it's horrible. It's just been not no less than like a hundred degrees. Finally, it's dipping below a hundred this week. Yeah, so mm. to go from beautiful beautiful finland with like 70 degree weather every day it got hotter you know a little bit up towards 80 for all you canadians out there you know like 22 to 26 degrees is around what finland stays at and i get here and for all you canadians it's like 
high 30s to low 40s Celsius. So yeah. it's fucked. Yeah, dude, past three days for this wedding, the one thing that sucked is it's just like, oh, it's an outdoor wedding. And on mm. the day of the wedding, uh, the high was 97 in Maine with a yeah, feels like of like 102. Oh, because you have humidity, yeah. Thank God the building next to uh, where it was being held outdoor was well air-conditioned, and it's like, okay, we'll be outside for 15 minutes, and everyone run back inside. Uh, great wedding. Had a great time. But, um, yeah, no, temperatures just, God damn it. <laughs> it's been a fun time. <laughs> yeah, it's that been said, a scorcher here, too. Yeah, go ahead. Just to jump in there, throw my Canadianism in here with Toronto, uh, or Toronto, or whatever the fuck we call it nowadays. Um, it's been crazy here just randomly just super fucking humid out of nowhere and it just it's just been like that we had a really really bad storm yesterday uh it was just pissing rain for like a good half hour that would be just, nice just, just going through yeah it made I've been it with we haven't had all day fucking and... clouds in two weeks like literally <laughs> we haven't had clouds oh bring clouds back to california <laughs> yeah give me something to yell at as always we mentioned on this podcast our lovely deal with manscaped we also bring up the viewer questions that you guys send in again the link to the discord's in the description whether you are watching or listening to this podcast and you could be like one of numerous people today because grand scheme of things not a ton to talk about in the past week the big stories are there but end of the day not a ton to talk about so we have multiple questions from some of you here today, we will start off with one of our favorites, Scrooby Noobers. What is your favorite wildlife slash nature footage, video, or photo? Wildlife slash nature foot. I mean, Sin's answer has got to be just anything Finland related right about now. The, ent- the entirety of Finland. <laughs> no, nah, I don't need it because I, I was there. I don't need a footage of it. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Hmm. I mean, for me, like, I've always mentioned this. Like, I mean, you know, you could talk about, like, footage, video, or photo. Like, I don't know about you guys. I'm, like, I try to view the, the positive side of it. I'm sure some people would be like, oh, I just go to r slash nature is metal and watch lions fucking feast on gazelles or some shit. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to think about that. I, every once in a while on stream, we end up doing this, especially if we play, like, GeoGuessr, uh, and we end up at, like, a zoo. I always mention, like, my favorite animal is the shoe-billed stork. Because its nickname is the Murder Muppet. And that's exactly what it looks like. It looks like a fucking Muppet. But this thing could kill you. And they love to dance, apparently. It's like a hello. (laughs) They just shimmy. It's it's the best. It's just this fucking dinosaur-ass Muppet who likes to shimmy. So anything related to the shoe build stork, I'm in. That's good. Yeah, for the visual listeners on the the podcast, um, I'll make sure to throw up a little shimmy here for you guys, so that way you're left out. There you go. Innovation. I know, Sin. I mean, tough choices, but do either of you have one? Uh, Sin, you go first. Oh, man, I'm still thinking. Uh, <laughs> Me too. That's why I told you. Want to think about nature or the outdoors right now? Okay. Yeah, it's really depressing because um, it's too hot to go outside here. For very long oh man I don't, it's so tough there's so much good nature stuff like to watch like i love that but i don't know right now it's like i really love cow videos man like cows just doing cute shit because they're, they're basically like huge ass puppies man why are you even laughing 
I still eat like hamburger and steak and stuff, but I am <laughs> I'm, st- I'm like, starting I'm starting to really feel bad like about that son of a bitch, but they're cute. Like, yeah, they're cute as fuck. I'll feast on you, but like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't I can't eat as much red meat anymore though, to be fair. So gout plus me watching cow videos, I might actually cut out red meat entirely someday. We'll see. How about was it the old South Park episode where it's like the yeah. the boys Fuck you, like, Dolphin. You have to look at these cute ass fucking cows. It's like I can't kill this. I can't eat this. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the dolphin and whale episode with the Japanese. Oh, well, that too, Jesus. <laughs> Again, I did mention I try to avoid stuff like that. It's like here's this gnarly clip of dolphins looking like they got attacked by jaws, and it's like. I don't I know. Yeah. I don't I don't yeah. want to watch this. It's pretty rough. I don't like seeing that shit. And uh um I think my favorite one um right now because of like context behind it is um No Sleeves walking his dog in the in the, in the field <laughs> because it was a series of uh responses. He's like, "Yeah, everyone should go outside. It's a beautiful day." And so he tags Henrique and he tags um Thrash. Like, you know, go outside and go touch some grass. It was a <laughs> It's a great day to touch grass. And then then, (laughs) Thrash is is hilarious. So it's him green screening, him touching grass. And then just just like an old fat guy with like... (laughs) And then... (laughs) And then Henrik just records his driveway. (laughs) And he's just like, yeah, yeah, great day to be outside. I'm like, that's not really what we meant, but okay. I'll walk to the car, the great outdoors. Uh, that's, that's probably my favorite moment, like recently. But um, I had an opportunity to go to Colorado a few years ago uh, for a snowboarding event. And I re- recorded a bunch of stuff there, and it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. State I have on my bucket list, even though it's very similar in a lot of ways to where I live already. So there you go. What state? Colorado. Oh, is that similar to Maine? Huh. I mean, the idea of it's super outdoorsy, mountainous. If you want to go hiking, you want to go skiing or snowboard. It just Maine has mountains. I didn't realize that. Oh, I figured that was yeah, a shitload. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. No, Not no, like no. obviously to the crazy extent of the Rockies. Yeah. Okay. But oh yeah, no. Maine is a gigantic hiking state. Oh sure. okay. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got hiking. I didn't know if it had mountains. Mountains more like. Oh, yeah. it's got mountains. Mountains. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Uh, from Cody, thoughts on Triple H being named the head of WWE Creative. So, again, at a wedding all weekend. The only thing I saw on Friday as I'm heading out for the weekend, Vince McMahon steps down from WWE and good. <laughs> just good. I'm old. <laughs> bye. He's just... <laughs> well, yeah, that's the guise of it is I'm old. Bye. It's like, no, you're a gigantic piece of shit who's being investigated for using company funds to pay off women that you used your power dynamic to have sex with. Gigantic piece of shit. Those are words. Fucking buy. Like, that. that's not... Like, again, I, I talked about it. I grew up a wrestling fan, grew up a WWE fan. Like, yeah, oh, he's leaving. Are you going to start watching it? No. Like, just no. Just fuck him. Fuck that company. Fuck off. I don't care. <laughs> and Sin not being a gigantic wrestling fan and Endo, I think, just enjoying wrestling memes more than anything else. Yeah. I imagine they have similar opinions. Yeah, I don't care. He's a piece of shit. That's all I know. There you go. 
from mm-hmm. Fire Don Sweeney. Name of the day so far. Everyone's favorite cheese. Sin. Mm. We'll throw to you first. God damn it. <sighs> Dep- oh man. It depends on what it's for. Like, I just have exactly. to choose a favorite cheese in general. Like, that's okay. But then also, it's like, what's the context? Am I just eating cheese? Even Your then, I favorite have a universal choices. cheese. <sighs> yeah, it's got to be sharp cheddar. That can go on a lot of different stuff, man. Like it's yeah. it's so so good. You can eat it with salami. You can even put it on a burger if you want. You can't do grilled cheese with it. But sandwich, burger, crackers, yeah. crumbling into a salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's it's the it's the way. Endo Mills, your favorite cheese. I think we've had this conversation before. See, I thought so too, but Sin didn't remember. Yeah, I, I can talk about cheese all the time. So right. honestly, um, there you go. I like Havarti. I, I'm a big Havarti fan. Yeah, get some extra like uh, extra peppers in there on top of that as well. Just mwah, beautiful. I usually get Polina to grab me some from uh, there's this Russian supermarket kind of like up near the city, uh, and we just grab. I swear to God, like fifty dollars worth of cheese, just different assortments. Just make. Either sandwiches with it, uh, make mac and cheese with it, or uh, just eat it straight because I'm a fucking boss. Sure. Fair enough. Uh, Next question from Hawks, because why not? Oh, you don't have a favorite cheese, Doogie? I agreed with you on the sharp cheddar. Oh, okay. (laughs) From Hawks, what's everyone's go-to soda if you drink soda? Lamau. Lamau. And no. French, French cat. Uh, what is it? Doctor Pep. Doctor Pep. Doctor Pepper, huh? So Endo, you're you're agnostic, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Apparently, he doesn't watch South Park as much as I do. I haven't watched South Park in a long time, like like very very long time. That's fine. Yeah. Someone out there will get it. I'm not going to explain it. Someone out there, there is going to get it. And and this that joke's for you guys. There you go. Sin. A favorite soda, if there is one. Yeah, again, kind of depends. But I, I, if I'm just have to choose one, probably root beer. Go diet with it, though. But yeah, good root beer, man. So it just hits the spot. Like it brings you back to childhood. Also, like you think a root beer floats and whatnot. But yeah, root beer's got to be it. It's there, great to I'm... pair with a cigar, too. By the way, noted. <laughs> uh, definitely not a huge weird. soda person at this point. Um, kind of, kind of with Endo, like uh, with both of you, really, like, right now. There you go. Like it would be a Dr Pepper or root beer if I had soda at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, makes sense. Used to, be, used to be a Sprite person because I'm like, well, it's not dark soda. How bad could it be? But I was. <laughs> what we all it. mentioned dark soda. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's just that's just rooted in racism right there. <laughs> <laughs> Is Sprite racist? You Lord, said it, not it. me. <laughs> We live in a society. Oh, man. All right, so the episode title can be the dark side of Sprite. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. All right, for those of you playing uh, Tukey's Take podcast bingo at home, how long until something related to race was mentioned? 16 minutes, roughly. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, From RG Dust, as we'll bring it back into hockey here a little bit. You get to be an assistant GM, but you have to choose between Ken Holland, Peter Shirelli, or Mike Milbury to be your mentor. They will be there 
They will be at their worst. At their worst. So yeah, he also spelled bear wrong. He did, and I didn't want to mention it. But you know what? Let's just let's <laughs> sorry, just drag, through the mud, <laughs> through the mud. RG Dust, more like you RG fucking dumb. loser, RG Dust. <laughs> we hate you. Stop asking questions. <laughs> Stop <Leave>. listening. Uh, <laughs> Get out. Sorry. Leave forever. <laughs> Sin's kidding. I'm not. Be gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, this sucks. All right. You get the AGM, Ken Holland, Peter Shirley, and Mike Milbury at their worst. So, obviously, Ken Holland, at his worst, you could argue, has been some of his time with the Oilers, particularly his time at the very end there with Detroit, where he was mm-hmm. signing, like, Justin Abdelkader to those monster, you know, guys like that to monster deals, Danny Kaiser. Keep and the Mike Milbury at his worst is, it's got to be Islanders Milbury, right? At the same time, we view this as a negative question. I don't. I view it as a positive. Here's how I frame this question. Who would you want to be the AGM to to one of these three GMs at their worst? At their worst means presumably they're not going to be there that much longer. So what roster would you want to take over? And if Mm. we're considering Ken Holland at his worst for recent Oilers times, Ken Holland, because then I inherit Connor McDavid. Ball game. Hmm. Yeah, you got a point there. On the flip side, Mike Milbury can teach me great self-defense by having uh, the knowledge of how to beat someone up with their own shoe. Yeah. I'd go with Peter Shirelli because I'd get to it before Holland fucked up the Oilers worse. (laughs) I'd have a bit more cap space. I wouldn't trade for Duncan Mm. fucking Keith. (laughs) Mm, Yeah, you'd have to deal with like Koskinen and Cassian. But yeah, that's... Yeah. yeah. Mm. Fair point, sir. Well played. Koskinen had a couple stretches there. He wasn't horrible. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Endo, uh, what do you think? I think Sin and I both had pretty interesting ones. And can you make an argument for Mike Milbury? <laughs> I think with Milbury, it's basically every day there's a possibility of a new fucking stupid trade happening. So <laughs> teaches you. He'll definitely teach you how to. Had to make an ass of yourself and still be proud <laughs> and still be confident in your roster. How to be wrong all the time, but still have a job with Mike Milbury. <laughs> a Mike Milbury story. <laughs> ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> One man, all the wrong decisions. Oh, man. Be... Highlighted over him beating the guy with his own shoe. <laughs> Career highlight after career highlight, still just beating the guy with the social. <laughs> the TSN turning point is just the contact of the shoe. <laughs> we bring back sports science for a slow motion on how it would actually affect you to get hit with the shoe. Oh, oh it's like here's Brandon Jacobs lighting up our host as he runs over him like a running back would. Here's Mike Milbury hitting you with a shoe. <laughs> Due to the velocity of the air and the interference with the noise pollution, it, like the shoe was supposed to be going at a speed of 15 kilometers per hour, but yet it was putting at 17 because he tore his ACL five years ago and just going and, off like that. <laughs> and the weight of the average male loafer at the time was about 3.7 kilograms heavier than it is now. 
<laughs> so the lack of aerodynamic force results in a heavier impact. <laughs> like, I want After this all this happen. news, it makes you really think, what broke first, the leather of the shoe or his spirit? Did it break? I thought he just took it off. <laughs> broke the guy's will to live. At least it would have broken mine. You get beat up with your own fucking shoe. Where do you go from there? That's such a weird situation, too. Like, just beating a guy with a shoe. First of all, yeah, they're in the crowd. Like, yeah, the Bruins and Rangers ended up in the crowd. And then, yeah, you beat a man with his own shoe. It's incredible. Absolutely so incredible. Uh, Penn's fan um, asked a question about some crazy NASCAR finish yesterday. I was at a wedding, man. And as it is, I was watching real racing on Sunday. Formula One, where the <laughs> same guy won again. <laughs> where the wheels are smooth. That's all I know. Uh, where the wheels are smooth and Ferrari's collective brains are even smoother. Formula <laughs> One. <laughs> And the last question comes from BK. Who's the cover athlete for NHL 23? Now, I will say this. I did see on social media that a lot of people are saying Zegras. Despite, so my con- despite my connections with EA, I have no fucking idea who's on the cover. So if somebody found out, cool. Good for them. I legitimately don't know who it is. In terms of who I'd like it to be, I'm with Sin. I would be cool with that. You know, you got to think of like your your younger, more marketable players. And while Trevor Zegers might not have the most name value to like the common hockey fan, like those who know know that he is theoretically, you know, the part of that like next wave of high end NHL talent because of sure. the creativity that he brings. Yep. So. And I mean, again, I'm not sure of too many gameplay directions with NHL 23, but with how the game in general has been, at least in, let me know if you disagree as someone who plays defense a lot. Um, you know, it, it just feels like so much of the gameplay is still so offensive focused. Yes. Yeah. And completely well, offensive if you're going to focus on offense and creativity, who better than, than Zegras, right? Ender? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I had something in my throat. That's bullshit. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's gonna be Zegris, or they're gonna have fucking Austin Matthews as a cover boy again. I like think Connor uh, McDavid's due for a second time if if Matthews has been on it twice, right? Yeah, at this point, no. probably. They might just flip flop back and forth. I want them to do more, like dual covers. Like I know FIFA had that a lot. Where mm. I have a feeling that if the if EA goes full out and gets like the PHF license or PWHPA license on there as well, which I feel like that's due, I could see them doing something where it's like a man and a woman on the cover. That'd be pretty cool. Like, how cool would it be for like, and granted, digital versions mean, you know, digital Fuck versions all. are what they are. But how cool would it be if you go into like a Walmart in Canada and it's like freaking McDavid and Marie Philippe Plan on the cover? But in the right. States, it's like Austin Matthews and Hillary Knight. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be cool. But obviously, covers don't mean typically as much because obviously digital sales are what they are. But mm-hmm. still. Do they even do know. the voting farce anymore? I don't think they do, do they? No. <laughs> no. I don't remember. It's pretty Dude, much I... everyone knew that it was bullshit and the votes didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, God. Who, like, 2BC especially was pushing for, like, who, like, Zemgis Gergensens or something like that? 
to be on oh, the I cover. Oh, I can't remember. Like I forget who. It all was. I know is like it was. It's a hundred percent like. Yeah, it's it's all marketing. Like they're not gonna like they weren't gonna let the fans choose like ever. Like I don't. Right. I think that NHL, voting was all fake. NHL seventeen cover vote. Was the cover vote was uh, Tarasenko? Allegedly, it was Ben Pavelski, Voracek, <laughs> Hedman, Tarasenko, Barkov, McDavid, Kopitar. Ended up being McDavid. NHL 15 had a cover vote as well. 14. Oh, 17 was Tarasenko. Yeah, 17 oh, was Tarasenko. 17 was Tarasenko, excuse me. That's right. 18 was, uh, I'm pretty sure 18 was McDavid after that. Um, I'm trying to find. What was 19? Then? Oh, Matthews. 19 was, was uh, P.K. Subban. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, the whole. Oh, yeah. Yellow. 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 Yeah. yeah. The, just the yellow just cover. I'm trying to wow. find who was up there for like the NHL because even it looked like NHL. 14, 15 was Bergeron, uh, 14 vote. was a fan vote, and that was, was Bruder. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then it was, was Giroux. I'm trying to then find it was... the list of uh, of candidates here. Okay, so I found this um, NHL 12. I guess Stamco. was the first time there was a cover vote, and yeah, Stamkos mm. won. But here were some of the the voting matchups. Uh, Tuka Rask. So each team got, um, you were allowed to vote for one of two people on each team. Washington, you could have voted for John Carlson or Brooks like <laughs> Florida was Steven Weiss or Tomas Fleischman. Good God. Yeah. Buffalo's nominees were Derek Roy or Thomas Vanek. Derek Roy. Um, God. For the Blue Jackets was Ryan Johansson or R.J. Umberger. <laughs> used to call him Hamburger Man when I was younger. In the Flames, it was uh, Mikhail Backlund and Matt Stajan. Wow. Remember when so, Backlund was pretty good, guys? Yeah, he was like a second liner at one point. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of high promise for that Mikhail Backlund. So, yeah, oh, there man. was some really... There was a really weird one that I that I remember from 2BC, especially really pushing for people on social media at the time to try to vote for like just this absurd option, like legitimately like RJ Umberger esque name yeah. value. Yeah. And it, it would have been incredible. It would have been. Um, yeah. Shit. So with that, everybody, again, thank you as always for sending in your questions. We do appreciate it. It helps add a little bit more to the show when, again, there's not too much to talk about. <laughs> We do have to bring in the whole quick note of serious subjects that there isn't too much to go in depth and discuss. Obviously, Hockey Canada, we talked about that uh, on last week's show, mentioning the continued evolution of the 2018 investigation. And in that time over the past week, we have learned that they are now not only investigating something that happened in 2018, but as well 2003. And you also had Edmonton Oilers owner Daryl Cates being named as a third-party defendant in a completely different suit after uh, allegedly... Uh, after allegedly paying about $75,000 to have sex with a then underage girl when he was 53 years old. Again, these aren't topics that we can really discuss too much because all we'd be, re- you know, all we'd really be doing is regurgitating the information that is coming out from the lights of, of Katie Strang and, you know, so many others, of course, Rick Westhead really at the, again, at the helm of all of this, um, but, you know, as hard as it is to, to hear stuff like this, and as we wait to see what ultimately happens, again, it's the same opinion that I have at least. Good. Shine the spotlight on these people. Because, again, you know, the, especially hockey fandom-wise, 
every single person who becomes a hockey super fan. You're in the online circles. You hear stories of, oh, yeah, th- this person's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I knew this person back in high school or uh, back in the early stages when they were in the CHL or in college. And there was this story, this story, this story. You know, odds are you've heard hundreds of them, if not thousands. I have. You know, like there are threads out there of other incidents. Um, Doug Gilmore, for example. A lot of Leafs fans just went, nope, not hearing it. But there's a rather infamous story out there about Doug Gilmore, um, Jeff Cortnell, and uh, Scott Steve. Like, there's so much out there. Continue to shine a light on this stuff. It's, it's to me, only a positive thing as we continue to find out more. And, yeah, you know, the idea of eventually karma and we'll use it and you know we'll use the term justice as well it catches up to you it does and obviously uh, so much of the hockey canada story is the idea of perpetuating these negative actions and essentially allowing kids to think that it's okay yeah i'm just um, why is Hockey Canada investigating themselves is what I want to know. Why do we allow these fucking organizations that are clearly corrupt to always investigate themselves? It's kind of nuts. That's that's my take on all this is that, yeah, hockey culture is broken. Hockey culture is toxic. And yeah. if you just think all these are coincidences popping up or people trying to get money, you're a fucking moron. Like you're an ostrich with your head in the sand at this point. Like it's not these aren't isolated incidents. Clearly. It's, so it's ingrained it's, in hockey culture. So it's not Hockey Canada. I can double check right now. Just look this up. So the police in Halifax are opening up the allegation, uh, opening up an investigation into um, the sexual assault from, it says right here, the, the Athletic. Police in Halifax opening uh, an investigation into an alleged sexual assault from nearly two decades ago involving members of the Hockey Canada 2003 team. So it's not the, the team itself. It's not the it's not the organization. It's the police getting involved. And what about twenty eighteen? Because I don't know. It just says on here that Hockey Canada is investigating that. Yeah, and London police reopened investigation in alleged sexual assault involving members of two thousand and eighteen World Junior Hockey Team. So it's not a personal investigation. So it's, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, though, initially it was, and now it's being reopened and being more of an independent thing, if not outright with uh, police. Yeah, because because so, the yeah. last I heard, it was internal. And I never liked that. But also, we got the police investigating it, so I don't like that either. But hey. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Just super frustrating shit to hear constantly. But at the same time, no surprise. And that's the big problem with all of it. Yep. We'll leave it at that for now. Um, And obviously, it's a hard right turn to then be like, hey, let's talk about actual hockey. And that's always difficult. Um, But it's what we're going to do for the very... Uh, for the very end of this show, we're going to talk about, again, all the signings that kind of happened, or at least not all the signings, but the big signings. We'll, uh, we'll start off as well with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, locking up Kasperi Kapanen, two years, $3.2 million, which means they are basically done for this offseason. But all in all, not a bad offseason for the Penguins. You know, again, they kept Latang, they kept Malkin, they kept Kapanen. You bring in Jeff Petrie, all things considered. I think Pittsburgh's looking okay, and we kind of talked about that last episode as well. Uh, with the Metro Division and just the East in general, there are going to be some very damn good teams that miss out on the playoffs because it's it's incredibly competitive. Like the NHL, as we know, has strived for parity, 
and this upcoming season could have that on display to like the greatest effect I think that we've seen so far as hockey fans. The Nashville Predators signed Nino Niederreiter, which I know disappointed Sin quite a bit. Um, at least, at least to my recollection, you were kind of hoping, like, "Yeah, San Jose, that's a smart move." And uh, the price tag is incredible. Yeah, two years at four million for Nino Niederreiter, which is a pretty damn good deal. Leaves them with four million dollars left with Yakov Trenin as their sole RFA to sign, so they might not be done. As we continue here, we are, what, two weeks? Almost two weeks into free agency, and there are still some big names out there and a lot of teams that are running out of space. So a team like Nashville, depending on what they sign Trenton for, which will probably be between one and two million, you might be able to pick up somebody else half decent. Um, you know, and then based off of what Patrick Line ended up getting from Columbus, I don't hate uh, two by four for Nino Niederreiter whatsoever. It's really good. It's really good. The San Jose uh, Sharks. And I'm sorry to do this to you, buddy, but I, I know you're obviously going to be plugged more into the media uh, surrounding the Sharks than I'm going to be able to. They signed Stephen Lawrence, who came over from the Hurricanes in the Brent Burns deal. He was an RFA to two years at $1.05 million, which is probably a little bit more than you want to pay a bottom sixer, but it's not the most egregious. But it leaves them with just $2 million to sign four RFAs, including Mario Ferraro. Who should which, be making two mil, minimum. Which kind of leaves that, like, oh, Lawrence making a couple hundred K more than he should, Coonan making almost three. I don't it understand kind of, that. It really kind of puts a spotlight on, on Mike Greer so early into it where you want to say, like, okay, he's trying to navigate hurdles that he inherited at the same time. Unless Mario Ferraro is kind of willing to play ball and sign a, a bridge deal, someone else theoretically is going to have to go, especially when they have, what, four goalies making at least two mil now? Yeah, three. Three. Three goalies three. making two mil. Okay. Yeah. Which is still hilarious. Yeah. They're probably trying to trade a goaltender. That's why we have so many under contract. Um, but, yeah, like, who, who are you going to do? Hill? You probably want to try to trade Hill. Because uh, he's a big question mark, but you yeah. can pro Reimer's Literally, the easy he's one like to six, move. Seven. Yeah, like Reimer's the easy one to move. In my opinion, he's he was really good last season, and he's mm -hmm. about two mil. I think a lot of teams. But yeah, it's the Kunin contract that just blows my mind. I don't understand how he makes close to three mil. He's a legit bottom sixer. Mm. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get. He's not a lock for the third fucking line. I, I don't like understand sharks, how he's making that much. I feel like the Sharks have gotten themselves into trouble in the past five years or so by signing mm -hmm. people to those type of contracts where it's like, well, this is his prove-it deal. And it's like, well, you're probably paying too much for a prove-it deal, though. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, we tried way too much shit under the table, handshake deals and crap like that. Like, that, that Kevin LeBanc thing. Ugh, when he did the one by one and everyone freaked out and then he gets signed for, you know, a shit ton because it was an under the table handshake deal. And like, oh, we expect him to put up 60 points, man. Really? Like, yeah, it's. Let's <sighs> talk about Kevin LeBanc real quick as a friendly There's... reminder for everyone as he is making four point seven two five million against the cap this upcoming year and next. 
And, oh, only uh, two and, more? Yeah. Was three more. Thank God. Again, 56 points in 82 games back in 18-19. And then since then, his endo is just dying of a nasal infection. Uh, 33 yeah, points in 70. Yeah, my allergies are killing me right now. I'm so sorry. Okay. 33 <laughs> points in 70 games. 28 and 55. And then last season, 21 games, just six points. Yeah. It's rough. It's a rough look. That's why but, you don't give a sixth rounder that amount of money if they're not long. Like, I, yeah, it's like, oh, and maybe it's a Pelvelski, but he never was. He wasn't close, close to that level of breakout. He could never put it together. Mm. He had a good game. He had a good game seven against Vegas. Like, he's not some, uh, that, that whole team. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I don't, you, you got rid of Burns for almost nothing. And you didn't, they didn't utilize that correctly at all. Yeah. I don't think at all. It's, it's the Coonan thing for me, man. Like that's the one that really, I'm just like, what, how, how does he make that much? What are you expecting out of this guy? <laughs> Cause he hasn't done it. Whatever the fuck you're expecting out of it. He hasn't done it. I don't understand what they see in him. I, I, I can't, I can't make out what they're trying to do. And I'm trying to reserve judgment till the beginning of the season. It's difficult. But Mario do, Ferraro is a, is a literal, he's a, he's a leader. He's a heart and soul guy. And you don't, you don't have him signed yet. You've prioritized Lorenz and Kunin over this guy. I don't get it. Could be an expensive locker room guy. That's that could be another thing too. It could be a guy that you just, rally around i guess the whole I mean, you guys are still kind of like guy though when yeah. you're terrible <laughs> yeah like, like the sharks that. are going to be a bottom 10 team in the league yeah he's a future yeah. leader which is why you want to keep him around like that's my opinion he needs to improve some parts of his game but i mean he's still young like that's defensemen fair. develop later he's what 24 now he's something like that yeah 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 i don't understand very weird stuff we happening. Move, then we kind of move into the big news to stop Sin from just being depressed about hockey. <laughs> Are we skipping, <laughs> yes. skipping one? Okay. Uh, well, no, I am going to bring that up. I'm going to include it in the big news because it is kind of a bit of big news. The word was at the draft that this player was expecting a trade to Montreal. Mm-hmm. But Pierre-Luc Dubois has re-signed with the Jets for one year at $6 million, where it still feels like the clock is ticking a little bit until he's a hab. So I feel like for the Jets, it's like, okay, you know, okay, cool. Your one-two punch down the middle is Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is awesome. But the feeling is, like, neither of them are going to be Jets for that much longer. Yeah, Just... Winnipeg feels a bit directionless, which is a far cry from a conference finalist a couple of years ago. Yeah, and just the amount of talent they've lost since that conference final it's yeah it's a little bit tough so again keeping Dubois 24 years old the guy's awesome I mean he had 60 points in 81 games last year of course you know maybe transitioning over to a new team it's not like Patrick Line set the world on fire either uh for the Blue Jackets and uh whoo he got paid and we'll get to that in a second but same time just I don't know like good for the Jets I mean he was an RFA he wasn't likely to go anywhere but at the same time just I feel I feel kind of bad for teams, and we'll get into that as we talk about these last two teams who are in the situation of, oh, well, maybe we can trade this guy because the market might be a little bit screwed up. 
which brings us to Columbus first and foremost here. They announced the Patrick Line contract on Friday. Four years. Pretty good. $8.7 million. It's, it's a little bit pricey for Patrick Line. Who mm-hmm. look, I like Patrick Line. Again, I was pushing really hard for the likes of the Nashville Predators to go out and get Patrick Line. But he is a one-dimensional player. What he does, he does very, very well. But you know, you're kind of close to like Mike Hoffman territory in that you're one of the best at what you do, but you don't do much else. 8.7 million for that is pretty steep. Yeah. Pretty steep. Yeah. Paying him like he did have 56 points in 56 games last year though. So that it makes you feel better about it. Certainly. And now you look at who he's playing next to, Johnny Gaudreau, presumably. And that might age, like, incredibly, incredibly well. So I don't immediately hate it as much as some people did, but I can see why it's kind of a, a contested point. And uh, Yeah, I I think it's a little too much. Just a little, just a, just a tiny bit. Um you're a hockey player and you're amazing at the position that you do play. And I know a lot of comparisons early were like kind of in the same reign of like Alex Ovechkin, where it's like, he's a dominant scoring first kind of guy, but even Ovi back checks kind of thing. And like Line's metrics, like you look at the analytics side of things, he's like, he's like nowhere to be seen in the defensive end. Like you can make some plays here and there, but when you're that low down the percentile, not only just for, you know, guys like him who are basically snipers, um, it really makes you think like, is it, are you really giving him all this money just to be offense and then have to worry about the rest of the guys basically having to play that other role to fill in and fill in the hole that he's basically leaving. And it may seem good on paper. Like, again, like we've made things like, uh, points that like all oh, these are great moves but again we won't see how this really turns out into till the regular season because right now it looks right now it looks looks bad honestly it looks bad yeah. but maybe if you just outscore your opponents you don't have to worry about it like the as i always like to do like the leafs just outscore your problems away and you're fine it's gonna be hard the- to do that without bjorkstrand yeah. Yeah. So that's the other side of this. And I will say, like, at the very least, it's good for Columbus um, from a, uh, I guess, a narrative perspective or just, a, you know, a, a selling point perspective. They were able to keep Patrick Line there. But after signing that deal the same day, they had to trade away Oliver Bjorkstrand to the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a third and fourth round pick in next year's draft. Oliver Bjorkstrand, $5.4 million for the next four years, is one of the, if not the biggest analytical darling that's out there. Yeah. Um, I think his war was like 94%. Something like that, <laughs> yeah. Now, Jesus. 57 points in 80 games last year, but a lot of people like, he was a minus 35 Columbus was shit. Columbus was a bad team 
case you didn't notice, they had theirs and Chicago's pick in the top 10 this season. But yes, Columbus, bad team, and their goaltending, while, you know, we all love Elvis Merzlikens and, you know, he certainly had the sympathy of the entire hockey world for what he had to go through. Um, and really what the entire Blue Jackets organization had to go through uh, yeah. last season with the passing of uh, Matisse Kalenix. But the goaltending for the Blue Jackets last season and the defense you know, in general, it wasn't good. Uh, Merzlikens, simple numbers here, but still. Uh, 322 goals against average and a 907 save percentage in 59 games. Jonas Corposalo, 22 games, a 415 goals against oh, average man. and an 877 save percentage. Oof. No shit that somebody in your top six is likely to have a horrible plus minus on that team. No yeah. shit. Like that, it's just bound to happen. Like you, the, okay, any guesses from you two who. The or what number? And hey, if you want to guess the player, go ahead. Who had the best plus minus on the Blue Jackets last season? Ugh, I hate doing this because pl- plus minus is so irrelevant. I don't check it anymore. <laughs> it is, but uh, still, I would humor s- me. Who had the best plus minus? You don't have to guess the player, but you can guess. You can guess the best. What the best plus minus? The was? best right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the best number is minus four. And uh, it's probably taxi. It's probably Texier with like a fucking three or something. Tessier was at a was at a zero. He was at an even. Damn. So the worst plus minus on the team was Bjorkstrand at minus thirty five. The best was a tie uh, between Gabriel Carlson and Gregory Hoffman, who were both plus six. Neither played more than half the season. So really, it was Jack <laughs> Roslovich who was a plus two through eighty one games. Lol, a fucking and- plus two. It was a bad team defensively and in goal. Like, yeah. you can't look at just the plus minus and be like, oh, shit. Like, again, 57 points. So, in terms of what this means for Seattle, fucking GGs, Ron Francis, goddamn. Um, every other GM in the league should honestly have to get punched in the face by their toughest guy on the roster for not going out and getting Bjorkstrand for a third and a fourth. Even if it's even if it would have put you in a situation where you were like Columbus and had to move cap out anyway, that is fucked. Like in the world that yeah. we live in, where supposedly teams are taking an analytical approach more seriously, yeah, I don't believe you. I don't okay. because a player like this should not be going for that much. And even from a base standpoint, a third and a fourth for who was a fifty-seven point scorer, twenty-eight goals on a bad team. Third and a fourth is still so far under market value, pretty much no matter what way you cut it. Yeah, because though the third and a fourth is likely n- not an NHLer. Like yeah. maybe you get a role player. Like you're you're essentially saying maybe a role player of the future for this top six guy. That's insane to me. Why didn't why don't you pay why don't you pay a third and a fourth to get rid of Nyquist? Exactly. <laughs> so from the Columbus perspective, there. right? Keeping Patrick Liney, even if you have to slightly overpay him is pretty damn solid. You brought in Johnny Goodrow, pretty damn solid. But then again, you look, why the fuck did you sign Eric Goodbranson to 4 by 4 Yes, okay, you needed some toughness, the physicality, the veteran leadership. You don't pay 4 by 4 for it. And then, as Sin alluded towards, you have Jake Voracek still making eight and a quarter, 
Gustav oh, Nyquist yeah. is making five and a half. Nyquist is at least on an expiring deal. They have two more years this season and next of eight to five for Jake Voracek. Why? Yeah. Like pay the premium. Imagine their top six if they kept kept Bjork Bjorkstrand. So I'll I'll tell you what it would have been. God. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly what it would have been. So right now their top line is listed as Goodrow, Roslovich, uh, Roslovich, and Line. Pretty damn good. And then your top or your second line would have been Nyquist or Voracek, Jenner, and Bjorkstrand. Sick. Third line, Robinson, Sillinger, Tessier. Not bad, man. Like, I'm so, like, weak down yeah. the middle, which isn't great, but like, yeah, the yeah. three centers are Roslovich, Jenner, and Sillinger at the moment, and then Corrali presumably on the fourth line. Kent Not Johnson great. can also play center. That's like um, a two C and two three Cs. I guess you could say Jenner's higher end three C, but I don't know. He's not really two middle sixers, know, how... two middle yeah, sixers, yeah. a nineteen that, that's, year that's... old, and a, and a fourth line center. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And again, like you have these teams out there that have a shitload of cap space that haven't really weaponized it yet. Um, projected cap space for the Ducks right now is twenty five point eight million. The Coyotes twenty three million. Buffalo nineteen point six. Those are the top three uh, teams in terms of open cap space right now. You mean to tell me that it was worth getting rid of Bjorkstrand over again giving up? a pick or you know a pick and a middling prospect to get a team like that to yep. take on one of those two worst contracts because again Columbus like you have all of your draft picks except this year's fifth and you have some of those like eh, yeah we, we can afford to give up um a 22 year old Kirill Marchenko who was a second round pick in 2018 He's just presumably coming over from the KHL where he's not that bad. But at the same time, oh, KHL, who the fuck knows? Like, you can give up that guy. You can give up Trey Fix-Wolanski. Like, you know, there are some guys here where it's like, yeah, maybe they end up being something for somebody else. But right now, it's way more valuable for you to get rid of one of those horrible contracts, especially when we just talked about earlier on in the show, like the Metro is a fucking minefield. And if you're bringing in Goodrow and keeping Line A, that's you being like, hey, we intend to compete. And you took away a great piece that would have allowed you to compete. It's almost like Philadelphia being like, oh, we could give up pieces to get rid of JBR and bring in Goodrow, but we're not going to do that. So I don't know, man. Like Yarmo Kekalainen for me deserves some credit, yeah, for bringing in Johnny Goodrow. But at the same time, how significantly better are they at the moment? Yeah. Compared to what they possibly could have been, had they made slightly different moves, I just I don't know. I I think he deserves like a B maybe, but he could have gotten an A for an off season grade. Mm. So I don't know, but maybe I'm just trying to shit on the Blue Jackets fans parade right now. I don't know. No, I mean it's yeah, it's giving away Bjorkstrand and signing in Branson were awful moves. Like. I don't understand that at all. Like it's like you wouldn't to, even. Um, go ahead. Do they still have to clear space? Is that what they you're still saying? have to sign Emil Bemstrom as an RFA, oh. who will likely be a million or under, so they can probably do it without trading a piece. But they honestly might still have to. Yeah, like, that's going to be close. Like, had they not signed Good Branson into that, like they might they 100 would not have had to give up Bjorkstrands. 
I, I can't imagine the market for good Branson was if we don't give him four by four on day one, he's gone to it's somebody crazy. else that would have. But How, then again, like, NHL yeah, GMs are crazy. Yeah, it's like those right-handed fucking defensemen, dude. Like, ugh. anyway, right shot, I should say, because they're all lefties. But yeah, if only I was better at skating, man. What could have been? Yeah, what could have been? <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, the main event of this podcast. Everyone knew it was coming. It was the biggest piece of uh, information that dropped on Friday night, um, aside from the Boston Red Sox. Some getting... scrub steals Joe Thornton's number in Florida. Aside oh from the God. Boston Red Sox. Um... Oh, that. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I'm busy playing cards against humanity at a friend's house with a bunch of people having a couple drinks. It's a fun time. And all of a sudden I see, Oh, the Red Sox are getting destroyed and it's only the fifth inning. And then I get so then another, you have some more drinks. <laughs> and then I get another message. I'm like, Oh God, how bad's the Red Sox score now? Matthew Kachuk traded yeah. to Florida. Fuck. So, the terms everyone knows at this point. Kachuk dealt to the Panthers alongside a conditional fourth-round pick. It will be a fourth-round pick regardless. Calgary picks up Jonathan Huberdo, Mackenzie Weger, Cole Schwint, and a 2025 first that is lottery-protected, but it is a first-round pick regardless. Kachuk... Also, it was technically a sign-and-trade, signed an eight-year extension with Calgary before the trade was made official at $9.5 million per. Gentlemen, do you recall your initial reactions to this trade? I could not believe that Calgary got this much. I still can't really. Like, it's settled a bit. You understand Huberto and Wiegar on expiring deal. It doesn't matter. That really still doesn't matter. Like crazy i guess from florida's perspective oh well it's no guarantee that they would have signed in florida blah 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 blah. but like you could have signed one of them for sure like this 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 trade costs hubert on a first why the fuck are we and schwint in there right <laughs> like and no yeah who, you, god your initial reaction before we get into talking about the details and kind of what it means for both sides hey yo i was just like what the fuck is this deal <laughs> Honestly, I was so confused. Like, you could have gone, like he's like Sin said, you could have gone away with like a lot less. And I think because they got away with so much extra, um, did, did they not see the? Did they oversee their value in terms of how they thought Matt Kachuk was? Like, was the sign and trade the extra year not worth? Was it worth that extra? Like, it makes you think. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's a big part of it is you make that deal, you get the extra year, the full eight instead of seven. That's also yeah. a factor. So in terms of what this means for Florida, I mean, number one, like people have been talking a ton about like, okay, there's just been a shitload of roster turnover since Bill Zito has gotten there. You do give up Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger, a legit top line forward and a legit second pair defender. You know, uh, Uyghur again. Analytical gem, by the way, Mackenzie Uyghur. 
Yes. And that's I don't care if he made where... goofball turnovers that time or goofball plays in his own end at time. He's still an analytical gem. And if you want to cherry pick a couple of plays and define a player like that, you're a fucking moron, Florida fans. Like, you can't even say, like, okay, like he had a bad playoff. He had one point in 10 games. Not a lot of Panthers really thrived in those last no. four games, now, did they? Um, he had 44 points in 80 regular season games. So he puts up points as a defender. Not always playing next to Aaron Eckblad because he's had health issues. Stands out from an analytical perspective. You're getting that. And by the way, only makes 3.25 for this upcoming season. How, yeah, valuable get that? How valuable is that to Florida when you have a $10 million goalie and you're giving mm-hmm. up that in this trade? Are you insane? And of course, then there is also Jonathan fucking Huberto. Like, I get it. He and Kachuk play different styles. Kachuk had a 100-point season. Jonathan Huberto had a 115-point season this year. 115 (laughs) points, man. And if you look, he's actually been doing that, not obviously 115 points, but he's consistently scored at a higher rate than Kachuk has. Yep. Oh, but Kachuk is like four or five years older and... Sure. You know, but, you know what I think this is? Or uh, Huberto's four or five years old to Kachuk. Excuse me. but Yeah. That's why you throw in the first if you're going straight up for Huberto Kachuk, by the way, because the age difference. It doesn't make sense to include Wegar right. or Schwint. I will die on that hill. Um, Here's what I think this is. This is Florida panicking about getting absolutely demolished in the playoffs. Think about Toronto panicking and picking up sandpaper. Florida panics and picks up the biggest piece of fucking sandpaper in the league because he's also got skill, but he's mm. the biggest piece of sandpaper in the league. And they panic so hard that they give up their top score, an amazing defenseman. Cole Schwint, we'll see. Probably, you know, role player of the future, you know, if he, if he makes it. Yeah, I mean, but he was the, a third-round pick in 2019. Like, he's 21 yeah, years yeah, old. Like, he played three knows? games for the Panthers this year. You know, he's, yeah. he's on the bubble right now. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the first is all. Yeah, lottery protected, sure, but you don't ex- you know expect to have to use that. But good job, lottery protecting it just in case. Mm. <sighs> so <laughs> for the Panthers, like yes, you get Matthew Kachuk, and that's an amazing pickup, and you get eight years of him, and that's amazing. But man, losing Huberdo and Uyghur is tough. I mean, even if you like, man, even if you don't think you're going to be able to bring back both of them, like treating Mackenzie Weger as a self rental, that's not no. the worst yeah. way to go. And right now, the Panthers. If you're are going still all listening. in, why not? Like, I right. like people are like, well, what if they couldn't sign him? If you're going all in, go all in. Like, mm-hmm. stop, stop trying to like. There, here's the thing: you don't have a first in the next three years of drafting. Uh, why are you yes. treating? Why are you all of a sudden trying to get younger? Like, that's that's what I heard this thing. Well, we got younger. Like, did you, though? Because you gave up prospect, you gave him first. You technically didn't. If you're going all in, go all in. You don't need to worry about getting younger. You didn't get better from this trade. You got worse. Especially, too, like, they're three mil over the cap right now? Yeah. I I don't think they have any obvious LTIR option. Like, Duclair will start the season on IR, which leaves them about 300, nearly 400 K over the cap. So they can technically maneuver that. 
But at the same time, like I get it. You have a $10 million goalie in Bobrovsky that's essentially an unmovable contract, and it kind of fucks you. But now I look at this, and here's the Panthers' projected lines. According to Cap Friendly, as of three hours ago on July 25th, 2022, Kachuk, Barkoff, Reinhardt. Holy fuck, that should be amazing. Verhage, Sam Bennett, Patrick Hornquist at 35 years old, making $5.3 million. That's not the move you try to make to get rid of that player to free up more cap space? Okay. Third line, Ryan Lomberg, Anton Lindell, and former Senator Colin White. You don't really know what you're going to get with Colin White at this point. And then fourth line, Cousins, Luats to Ryan, and Balsers. Oh. Like, I don't know about you, man. Like, on paper, like, Patrick Warfist is in your top six? Yeah. That, I'm, Sin, sorry if you take offense to this. That That is Sharks-esque. Depth. That is Sharks-esque yeah. <laughs> of so much high-end talent. And then it's like, all right, Lomberg and Cousins and... There's Luat Sterinen in the mix. Like, no offense. I don't know if that Sharks model is what you necessarily wanted to follow. You could argue there was some bad luck that it didn't work out. And then their defense, Gustav Forsling, Aaron Ekblad. Forsling, analytical darling, pretty solid, not quite Wegar level. Mark Stahl and Radko Gudis, Lucas Carlson and... For some reason, you're paying Brandon Montour three and a half million dollars a season. Tell me they didn't go more sandpaper. Tell me, like, tell me they didn't panic and go grit. Like that, you. It's this is the classic trap that GMs fall into when they get their asses handed to them in the playoffs. And this was honestly a monument. Like at least you didn't fucking. They didn't go out sign Wayne Simmons and other stuff. No, they traded for Kachuk. I mean, he's a great player, but all we also have to talk about people calling him a generational talent because <laughs> Lord, that gives me the largest headache on the planet. Feel free to rant now before we talk about this from the Calgary perspective. Yeah, I think Florida wise, we, we kind of summed it up like yeah. you get an amazing player, but so much of the team makeup surrounding this deal. It just it doesn't feel like this gigantic W on paper. Yeah, so. I, I hear a lot of people, I, I feel like it's copium, like calling him a generational talent, but then they switch, oh, he's a generational power forward. Like, we're not separating player types now, are we? And then saying generational of this because he's one of the best, like, would you even, would you consider him right now like the top power forward in the game? Like, see, what, I find like, that how do you, how do you, probably, but I also, def- how, I find that discussion to be, a little bit difficult because I feel like the term power forward has evolved fairly consistently over the past few years. Yeah. Because in my opinion, off of his play style, Joe Pavelski is a power forward getting to the front of the net all the time. He's the first one in front of net to try and deflect pucks and shit like that. Like I, I just feel like the, the term has evolved so much, but yeah, if you were to think of like traditional big body, but also has skill player, then yeah. yes, Matthew Kachuk fits that, and it is tough to think of someone who is who is better in the NHL right now. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's still weird to me that we're 
using generate. I feel like we're very cheapening the word. McDavid's a generational talent because there's not a fucking player like him in his generation as good as him. If you're going to say Matthew Kachuk, you're, you're like, you're, I don't know, like, you're, oh, he, because he's tech, he's in McDavid's generation. You're saying, well, no one technically plays like he does. A lot of people do. Is he better than them? Yes. But McDavid is such a level, level above everyone else. You know who's not too far off from Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, Mark Stone. If Timo Meyer has another good point season, you could even argue him because the 75 points is similar to what Kachuk's production was before this last season. Like there's several other people who do what he does. There's no one that really comes close to McDavid. Maybe McKinnon, but it's it's still not there's it's a whole other level visible. And I, I, I really struggle calling someone a generational talent, especially if you're being specific about their skill set. Cause in that case, it's like, what's, what's, I don't know. It's to me, it's just weird. Like it's, you're, you're watering down the term. I think franchise, I he's a franchise player. Yes, absolutely. A franchise player. He's what you build around, but generational talent, I think is a little bit too much. I don't, know. I, I don't disagree with that at all. And like I said, I don't really like the idea of being like, well, he's a generational, uh, generational power talent. Like he's a generational power forward, a generational playmaker, generational role player. Yeah. Like he's a generational locker room guy. Because how are we going to have a generational two way forward? Bergeron? Well, We're going to call Bergeron. Bergeron Patrice Bergeron. We already have one. Yeah. But I wouldn't even call him. I know. I'm sorry to you. I would not call him a generational talent. Like I'd call him a franchise talent because. God damn, look at what that man does, but <laughs> see now two guests think. <laughs> uh Ryan O'Reilly. Very close to Bergeron in terms of skill set. We'll I'm sorry, and I know you'll probably argue, but yeah, we'll see I about will. the longevity. Yeah, exactly. But, uh I say Let's very see him similar. play through a hole in his lung in the playoffs. Yeah, but, but is is that does that also define generational how long you play? Because in that case, you could you could I would few, say like, no, Mario just because someone like Mike yeah. Bossy's career was cut so short, and he is still 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. a generational talent. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that whole conversation. Though. I, you know, yeah, again, the, it, the, the waters are so murky now, and, I, and it pisses me off. It's literally <laughs> the elite conversation. Just using the term generational rather than elite. yeah, it's it's the same yeah. thing. So, I think you guys got to end it. Did you have anything else to add about just this trade from the Florida perspective, or are we good to move on? It was a trade. Uh, I think one team walked away with a lot more than they probably should have. But uh, honestly, I want to see how this affects the season. I was thinking more about the Bobrovsky situation with their goaltending, where Mm -hmm. the only way they get rid of that contract ever would be like a three-team trade or something ridiculous like that. And the likelihood of that happening in today's NHL, very, very slim. The last time we had a three-team trade for a goaltender – uh, I think it was the Leafs. Uh, it was Islanders, Leafs, and Chicago. Uh, because was it? They sent Leonard from the Islanders to the Blackhawks. Oh yeah, the Leonard trade. I'm like, God, and, what trade and, are you even referencing? But yeah, the Leafs were technically involved in the Robin Leonard deal. Jesus. So the way it worked is that they took his whole salary, whatever there, and they sent a portion of it to the Leafs, and Leafs sent sent him over to Vegas. So for one season, the Leafs technically were paying Robin Leonard, and I made the joke about having to get a Leonard jersey as a Leaf because, technically speaking, he's a Leaf. Yeah. But so Bobrovsky, by the way, has a no movement clause this upcoming year and next. 
2024-25 and the season after, he still has the no-movement clause, but also submits a 16-team no-trade list. So theoretically, unless they buy him out. Yeah. So theoretically, unless they buy him out, he will not be moved earlier than the 2024-2025 season. And that's an expensive buyout, too, especially making 10 mil fucking a year. That's at least two more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me. Yeah, see I if, heard some. Uh, I heard some Florida fans saying, "Yeah, we're going to trade him next year." I'm like, "How?" I'm like, "Wait, there's no way he's almost on his last year." Like, so yeah. Bob- a Bobrovsky buyout. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so a Bobrovsky buyout. If they did it this year, he'd only cost five uh, five point seven five against the cap, then six seven five. Up until 2026, when his deal were to end, and then they'd have to pay 175 for four years after that. Once the deal were to originally have been up, got to be honest, I'd buy out Sergey Bobrovsky. That's pretty harsh, you, but yeah, you save yeah. four million, three million, three million, three million, and then have a 175 hit for four extra years. One, actually, yeah, that's not I buy that yeah. out. Because as it is right now a problem affecting the Panthers, I don't think a lot of people realize, they have $6.5 million in dead cap this season. 1.1 of that from Scott Darling's buyout. Right. 5.4 million of Keith Yandel. Oh, yeah. Some rough times right. for the Florida Panthers. The Calgary Flames, this trade from their perspective. Sin kind of hit on that main point right out of the gates. You pick up Huberto, you pick up Mackenzie Weger, but they are both UFAs at the end of this season. I am surprised this deal was not made with the conditions that a deal was already worked out with one, if not both of them. Cole Schwinn, again, who knows? A first-round pick isn't bad. So for Calgary right now, it comes down to whether or not those two will sign. If they don't, hey, you have some great fucking deadline pieces. But remember what I said earlier. As long as you use them, yeah. About the market potentially being screwed up. This draft has been so fucking hyped. How many of those bubble teams are going to want to make a deal to get a player like that? I don't know. Really I think risky. it's only the buyers. I honestly only only the top buyers are going to tr- want those guys. I think. And it feels like to me how many of those top buyers have already essentially given up a lot of those picks. The Florida Panthers don't have a first rounder in each of the next three years. Like who are we considering a super high level team like slam dunk over the next few years? Like I'm opening up a couple of uh, team pages here of names that, that come to mind for me, at least. Like we already kind of mentioned, Florida, uh, Toronto. They have all three of their picks. Yeah. LOL, trying to afford a Huberto or a, a Mackenzie Weger. Although Mackenzie Weger's cheap enough, uh, LOL, Toronto should be in on that. If um, Toronto doesn't get Mackenzie Weger, they're fucking idiots. Uh, yeah. Tampa's AJ right up against the him. cap already, and they don't have a first round pick in each of the next two years. Like the Rangers, the Oilers have no cap space. 
the Avs have very little cap. Like, I just, I don't know what the market is. And that's my worry for the Flames. Like, yes, you were feeling a hell of a lot better after losing Kachuk and after losing Goodrow after this trade. But I just don't know what the hell that market is if they can't end up re-signing these two guys. I, I'd be worried about yeah. that because this 2023 draft, I don't know what it is, but we think back 20 years ago to the 2003 draft, and I swear the hype level seems to be just as high as it was then for that draft. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the only way Calgary loses this flame is if both of those guys walk. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the only way Calgary loses the trade is if they both walk. If they sign, honestly, one of them, it's a win. Oh, they lose the um, flame, too. That, that fucking fan base will be yeah. extinguished if both those guys <laughs> yeah, walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be... Yeah, true living. Like, how do you do that? How do you make a trade like that and then fuck up your asset management again? Um, Endo's rooting for it, considering Sid Sixero just put out yeah. a tweet saying that Brad Trilliving is one of the most underrated GMs of all time. So, Oh, no. Fucking suck an egg and report on the fucking I weather. Love, I love Jesus Sid, dude. Christ. I fucking love him. Just the way he pisses off every Canadian on Earth is, like, one of the best things I've ever seen. Anyway, um, yeah, so you make a good point about the uh, what the market's going to be like and, and – I, I really didn't yeah, consider like, man, maybe those bubble teams don't go out and get a guy like that. But if you're Calgary and you know, like if you're going to, you know, sell at the deadline, cause you know, you retain on them, like do everything. I, we are, you can easily move. And if you retain 50% plus the deadline and already playing most of the season, he's like a sub $1 million player for someone to pick up under cap, essentially mm. like that's really good for a guy who's going to probably play some top four minutes. You could at least get a first, but yeah, you bring up the point who can give up a first, at least one, because it's going to be at least one with retention for a guy like Wegar. Huberto, probably you go, you move for like two firsts. If in a I don't like it in a normal market. Yeah. Like even at a deadline, I don't know. Like if Matthew well, could shock, I get it. You know, the age difference and whatever, but if Matthew could shock a 104 point guy is worth this type of haul, then Jonathan Huberto. 115 points worth. last season like yes he's a little bit older but he's in the prime of his career right fucking now like what what does he get you know it's just that's what i hate about this trade is we have to wait we're not yeah. really gonna know a quote-unquote winner of this trade for a long time and our earliest look at like who immediately gets the win won't be until the day after the trade deadline of this upcoming season because that is when we'll know whether or not Huberto or Wegar are still going to be members of the Flames or what the haul was that Calgary managed to get for them. Yeah. So. If they're able to get, like, three firsts for those two guys, like, that would be pretty nuts. Probably yeah. some other picks as well. That'd be, like, four firsts for Kachuk. That's level of when I used to play franchise mode back in the day and, like, trade for a guy like Patrick Kane for, like, all the first-round picks, like, that I had. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> It was like five first round picks. You can get Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, it's it's it. nuts. So all in all, decent for Florida. We can kind of see what you're doing, but man, that was pricey to get it done. You do have Kachuk for eight years. It's pretty damn good. But man, I'm shocked you had to give up that much. And for Calgary, all of this hinges upon those two UFAs. And what they mm -hmm. do moving forward, and again, you, you what this you won it on the surface, but now you got to manage those assets for sure. Yeah, if Brad Living is as good of a general manager as Sid Sixero thinks he is, 
than the Calgary Flames by this time next season, whether or not they're rebuilding or they kept Huberto and Wegar and are going for it, they're going to be in a much better, like, slam dunk, like, yes, they're in a good spot type of thing. There won't be too much debate uh, to really have yeah. there. With that, everybody, we thank you very much for listening and or watching this week's show. We will be back next week. Again, we are on a week-by-week basis here up until really towards the beginning of the season as we don't have that much, of course, to talk about, although when something big like this happens, you know, we, we can kind of have a more extended conversation about it. Endo Mills, what do you have going on, my friend, over the next little week or so? Uh, I've got a lot of streams going on, actually. Uh, an official stream schedule is now out. Uh, I believe I'll try my best to stick to it, even though, you know, I probably won't. Let's be very honest here. Uh, you can catch me live on Twitch uh, Monday to Friday, 2 to 4.30 uh, Eastern. Uh, Wednesday to Thursday, 5.30 to 8. And, yeah. That's what I'm doing. Two and a half stream, two and a half hour streams. Cause fucking I'm a busy ass man. I ain't got time for longer streams like that. But you can also catch me making fun of Tugi on, uh, on his stream as well as tradition. Ken, Sin, my friendo. What are you? Hello. Yeah. You know, follow me on Twitter at Sin FTW pride. You can find me on Instagram, Paul Cinders and, uh, still got my music up, uh, everywhere that you can find music, you know, Spotify, Apple title, Paul Cinders as well. And of course, my YouTube channel just started a new franchise mode with Alexander Ovechkin in the Capitals, uh, the retirement home that is the Capitals, I should say. Um, good Lord, that is a tough team to manage. But of course, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. You have to tune in and see it. We're about three episodes in right now, so you're still early on and have a lot of fun with us. We'll mention I have a new franchise mode starting up very soon as well. An idea Fuck that you, Sin- don't steal my thunder. No, An idea that Sin said he would steal... If I didn't do it immediately. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. It's but a really good you. idea. I will say both of my ongoing series, once this starts, are fantasy-based, whereas yours, I think, isn't like a draft of glory or anything like no. that. So I certainly. tried to make a realistic trade, though. I, I know everyone's always on me about making more realistic trades. I tried to trade for Patch Ready for future considerations, and the game didn't let me. So, sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I tried to be realistic. There you go. <laughs> yeah so ultimately again we will leave it there i'll be streaming a lot this week as well i gotta make up for lost time uh monday tuesday thursday i think friday definitely saturday sunday uh tuesday and saturday i'm gonna have afternoon streams as well mixing it in again gonna make up there for some lost time after a very busy august check out endo streams of course check out sin on the youtube side of things find me basically everywhere manscaped.com go to we'll see you next week goodbye